the most we'd expect out of a church service, right? Is to come in and have the anointing fall on us. We pray before almost every service, I pray almost before every service, that God would just pour out his spirit here upon all flesh. That he would pour it about on me, that he would anoint us to sing his praise and worship, that he would anoint me to bring you his word, that he would anoint every teacher, and that he would pour himself out upon us, right? That we would come in here and our lives would look different when we go out, that we would have a true encounter with, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God is so good to us. Kids ages 4 to 10 can be dismissed to go to Children's Church today. They'll be downstairs. We're going to do communion here in a little while. Um, Brother Andy's going to service our communion. And then uh, my mom will run in and grab the kids and the teacher. The teacher today of Children's Church is my lovely wife. They take turns and have a different teacher every Sunday of the month. Well, each month. And four, four or five different teachers. So, Anyway, with that being said, I'd like to talk to you today about resting in the Lord. Or to rest in the Lord. Or to rely on or depend on the Lord. You know, so often we get so busy. And Brother Adam talked about this morning. We, we, it's hard to rest in God and to rely on God when we're not very humble. Right? We have to be humble. You have to be humbled sometimes to be able to rest in the Lord or, or to, to depend on him or to rely on him. Because most of the time we're agreeing with the world. Our lives line up with the world. Where we, we want to, instead of resting in God and relying on him and counting on him for everything, to, to tell us how to make every move and where to go and, and how to do it and, and who to be around and, and what to watch and, and, and what to put into ourselves and all those things, instead we get busy. And the world takes up our time. Amen. This is the Pentecostal church this morning, so I'm going to need, I'm a participatory preacher too, so I'm going to need a few amens, hallelujahs, head nods, right? My uncle said he went to a church one time and preached, and they said, well, that, that'd be fine too. It's got to get involved or I'll keep you here a long time today, right? Not really, I only got what God gave me. Um, Isaiah 4, 29 through 31 says, he gives power to the weak, and that word right there, weak, means faint, weary, or fatigued. You ever been fatigued? You ever been tired? You ever been wore out? You ever feel like giving up? He'll give you power, it says. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases their strength. Even if you look like you're feeble and, and, and you're faint and you're weary and you're tired and you're wore out and you may be small in stature, he'll give you strength. Right? You may be a brand new baby Christian and the world's weighing on you, but he'll give you strength, he says right here. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And I want to stop right there and talk about wait on the Lord. The, the, the Hebrew for that word right there is to wait, to look for, to hope, to expect. Those who are expecting God to show up. Amen, that's what he's talking about, right? Those who are dependent on God, those who are waiting on him, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, right? Think about an eagle. He's not like a small bird. You ever seen a hummingbird? He flaps his wings so fast you can't see his wings. How often do you see an eagle flap? He'll flap to get upright and then he just soars on the wind. You ever seen an eagle up close? I've seen, I've seen one up close in the bottom before and they're a huge bird. They look, like they're, they look like they have a six or eight foot wingspan and they just get those big old wings up there and they just soar on the wind. They're not wearing themselves out. They're just up there gliding along, right? That's what we should be like. The world says, or 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, says that we walk by faith, not by sight, right? We're not worried about what the news looks like. We're not worried about what it looks like in the world, right? We're not worried about reports of man. Amen? We're just up there gliding along because we know what God says. Our confidence, 
You ever notice this eagle? This, this, God just gave me this right here. It's not even in my notes. It's for free. When that eagle's up there gliding onto there, he can't see the air. He's gliding on the unseen. He's confident in what he can't see. Amen. Amen. We should be confident in what we can't see, but we know is there because God gave it there. He, he provided for us. He provided that wind for the eagle to glide on, right? Everyone. You notice in verse 30 there it says, Even the youth shall fail and be weary, and young men shall utterly fail or utterly fall. Everyone will get weary, right? Everyone's going to feel like giving up. If you're not right now, you will be. Chances are you have been in the past. Everyone gets wore out. Everyone gets weary. Everyone gets tired. We all need this strength renewed. We all need to rely on him. We all need to lean on him, depend on him, right? To have faith in him, right? It's all dependent on our faith. We'll go, we're going we're to go to the hall of faith on that note, right? Everybody knows what the hall of faith is, right? Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. But you know, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, chapter 11 was written to people who were weary, they were weary. They felt like giving up. They were ready to give in. They felt like they were going to buckle. They didn't know if they could go on any further. They were just going to go back to their old ways and let it be like it used to be. Think about what you got to go back to. What you'd have to go back to if you were to give up. Amen? If you were to fall from the grace of God, where you'd go back to? Think about that. It was written to people who were weary and felt like giving up, right? In Hebrews 11 and 1, it says... Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Things that aren't seen are more real than the things that you can see. Amen? How did God create the whole universe? It was made out of things. He's going to tell us this. It was made out of things that you couldn't see. Two says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. A testimony. Think about that. The testimony was their story. The story. They made it into the hall of faith. Their stories are told in the hall of faith because of their testimony. They have a testimony because of their faith. You have a testimony because of your faith. You have a story. Your life is a story. What will be told about you? What does your life tell David day by day? Well, he was an angry man. He always had a lot of bad to say about people. He was negative and rude and mean. I waited on him one time during the restaurant. Right? What does your story tell? Where's your faith at? They, they, let's read that again. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Because of their faith, they obtained a good testimony. Because of things they couldn't see, their stories were told in the hall of faith. Does that grab a hold of you this morning? Three says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, just because God spoke, the world was framed. Everything in it was framed. Every animal, every plant, every human being, the sun, the moon, the stars, the ocean, everything on his word. Out of things that were unseen because of his faith. God had faith. God has faith. And he gave us the measure of faith, right? So that the things which are seen were made of things which are invisible, right? So by faith, it goes on to say, if you read on under the chapter, I don't have time to read it all today. But by faith, Abel obtained a better sacrifice. He gave a better sacrifice because of his faith, right? Because of his confidence in God, he gave away his best to God because he had confidence that God would take care of him and God would provide for him. God's going to give him something even better. Amen? You ever gave away your best to God? Are you currently giving away your best to God? I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about in your time. I'm talking about in our attitudes. I'm talking about the way we talk to other people. Are we giving our best to God, right? Because everything that you do, you should do it upon the Lord. Are you giving your best to your boss? Enoch. 
Enoch was taken up in a whirlwind that didn't even have to taste death because of his confidence, right? Noah, Noah built an ark. Even though they opposed him for 100, 120 years, they opposed him. Everybody told him he was nuts. He's crazy. Never going to happen. That God you serve, he's probably not real anyway. You see, they'd never seen rain before. But he worked with hand tools. We went, we went to, the, to the Noah's Ark, the exhibit in, where was it at, Tennessee? Not Tennessee. Kentucky. Kentucky. We, went to, we went to Kentucky to see this thing, and it was a huge place. A huge ark. They built their replica of the ark. Can you imagine building that with hand tools? He didn't have Black and Decker. He didn't have a skill saw and a sawzall and a nail gun or a drill. His drill went like this, right? His saw went like this. He did all that with a hand saw, even though they were mocking him and telling him he was nuts. Amen. Noah built the ark because of his faith, because of his confidence in God. Abraham, <clears throat> Abraham, he, he was comfortable where he lived at. Abraham was a rich man where he lived at. But God said, you're going to move out of there. You're going to move away from all your family and your comfort zone. You're going to get out of your comfort zone, and you're going to go on, and you're going to inherit this place that I've given to you, this place that I promised you, the promised land, right? And it could have been easy to stay there. Church, it would have been real easy for me to sit in the front. I used to sit right where my mom's at this morning in the pink shirt. That's my mom. I used to sit right there in the church or, or two seats down. This, is where, this was my seat in the church in my home church. This is where I sat at. And Sister Delena played the piano, and I was loud, and I'm sure annoying to her and obnoxious. But I sing, and I prayed God. And I'll tell you, if I get the chance to be out there singing, if I'm loud and I don't sound good, you should sing louder. Because I'm sure you sound better than me. So drown me out, right? But he left, his, he left his comfort zone. I had to leave my comfort zone to come to where God called me to. He left his comfort zone to go to where God called him to, to this promised land. But it was because of his faith. He would have never received the promised land. He would have never been the father of many nations if he didn't have faith in God, if he didn't have that confidence in God, if he wasn't leaning on him and relying on him, right? Sarah, his wife, received strength. Think about this. A 90-year-old woman, she not, only can, she not only received strength from God to conceive this child, but she, she was after, I mean, she was past menopause. The Bible teaches us. She not only received the strength to conceive this child, but she, she, she received the strength from God because of her faith, because of her confidence in him, to birth this child. But then I have a three-year-old that I adopted, and you all seen how he runs around, right? She also had to receive strength to raise that child. You follow me? I'm 47, and he's a lot. I can't imagine being 90 and having a two-year-old. Can you picture that? But God gave her the strength to get through it because he said he would. Because he doesn't call us out anywhere. He didn't call you out into this church. He didn't call you to be part of the body of Christ without providing for you. He's not, that's not the kind of God he is. He says he'll never leave you or forsake you. Right? He's always there. But we've got to lean on him. Can you imagine if Sarah and Abraham would have decided they were going to do it on their own? Well, they did for a short minute. And they messed things up. Picture of my life today, right? When I get to looking at the world, and I get to looking at the way things I could do it, or my job could provide for me, it gets all mucked up. Some of y'all are shaking your head. Some of y'all are being honest today. Right? It gets all messed up. Their hope was in him, though. Psalms 18 and 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my strength in whom I will trust. That's a mouthful right there, but then there's a semicolon, and it goes on. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is all the things that God is for us. Not, not all of them, but this is, this is a good start, right? So God is our refuge. Imagine what a refuge is. A refuge is a shelter, right? When there's a storm going on, how'd you like to stand out here in the yard in the middle of a thunderstorm today? Or a tornado, and there's trees falling and things going on. Would you like to do that, or would you like to go down in the basement? 
That's what God is to us. He's, he's, our, he's our storm shelter, our refuge, right? He's our strength. He's our healer. He's our comforter. He's our provider. He's our defender. He's our source. He's the source, not a source. He's our source. He's our rock. And he's our father. Why would we not have confidence in them? Why would I not have confidence in that guy? Why would I not depend on him and rely on him? I can guarantee you if you had a rich father who was well off and knew how to do a lot of things, was well connected, anytime you needed something, you would run to his house. You'd run to him and you'd ask him, Dad, can you help me out with this? Can you do that? Right? But we forget about God. We forget about the things unseen. And when times get hard and the going gets tough, we run to the bank account. We run to someone else and ask them to pray for us, right? We do all, and it's not wrong to join our faith together. I'm not saying that at all today. It's all right to come and ask me to pray, but your faith should be lining up with my faith. You should have already went to God and asked him before you come to me and ask. Amen? We should be mature Christians. I'm talking about spiritually mature. We should be able to go to the Father and say, Lord, I know you're my provider. I know you are, and I'm a tither and an offering giver. And your word says you're going to bless that. And Lord, I need this. I need that. And hey, Pastor, can you, can you line your faith up with my, word, with my faith? Because I'm confessing that I'm a tither and offering giver and I have this need. Could you, could, you, could you pray with me on this? Could you agree with me on this? Because it says where two or three are gathered and agree that it shall be done, right? We've got to do the word. We've got to have confidence in his word, right? He's our defender. He's our healer. It's the same thing when, when there's a sickness comes against us. Right? When we get a bad report, it's the same way. We should know what the scripture says. We should agree with the scripture, confess the scripture, go to God, talk about his word, remind him of what his word says. And he all remind God what his word says? Like he doesn't know already, but we can remind him what his word says. Let him know that we know his word and what it says, and that's what our faith, that's what our confidence, that's what, that's what we're going to trust in, that's what we're going to lean on, God, is your word, not what man says, not what the doctor's capabilities are. Right? Sometimes we need to stop and remember who we are in him. You're his children. You're the daughters and the sons of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God himself. Why should we lack? Why should we have need in the body of Christ? Doesn't it say that he comes to fill all? Isn't that what the scripture says? If Christ comes to fill all and he's paid for all, and he's in all, right here in all of us, why should we lack? Why should we need? Because we're cocky and we're arrogant. And we want to do things our way, in our time, how we think we ought to be done. They ought to be done, right? If we stop and think about this, stop and think about this, you'd be surprised how many things are in there. Think about your normal day. Brother Adam talked about today. Think about your day, how it goes, the time you get up to the time you go to bed. And some of us have really erratic schedules, like Brother Adam and I. I don't know what I'm doing from one minute to the next. And my wife tries to get me to make plans every day, but I usually don't know what I'm doing until I'm up the next day. Right? And it drives her nuts. But I let the marble roll, she says, and she's, she's a planner. So, however, she keeps me in line most of the time. But think about this. You'd be surprised how many things you do during the day that are a waste of time. How many things? Think about it. A good part of our day is a waste of time. You're spinning your wheels. What good is it going to do you in five years? 
Think about it. Think about your Facebook, your YouTube, your Hulu or whatever that thing is, your, your, your television set, the news and all the fear that it spreads, and all that goes along with any of those things, or, or even relationships that aren't, that aren't drawing you closer to God. Anything that's not drawing you closer to God is a waste of time. Did we say that? If it's not drawing you closer to God, if it's not causing you to press in more to Him, it's a waste of time. It's spinning your wheels, right? How much time do we waste each day when we could be drawing closer to Him? We could be hanging out with Him. We could be causing other people to draw closer to Him. We all raise our hand and say, I got unsaved loved ones. What are you doing about it? It's good to pray for them. I'm not saying don't raise your hand and say, I got unsaved loved ones. Have unloved, saved ones too, probably. Right? I got that from Brother Stephen. But we've got to do something about it. We've got to do something about it, right? We've got to rely on Him. We don't have time to waste. There's no time to waste. We've got to be building ourselves up. We've got to be building our, uh, others up, right? There's going to be that time that comes that you have a lull. There's going to be time that comes that you have a test. There's going to be time when sickness or cancer or something opposes you or your family. Right? There's going to be time when lack or need opposes you or your family. And we've been wasting all this time that we could have been building ourselves up. Amen? We could have been relying on him in the small things, and now I'm ready. Now I'm ready because I've been training my faith on the small things. How are you going to believe God to heal you from cancer when you can't believe him for a pair of socks? Think about it. Think about it. We've got to rely on him all the time. Building ourselves up. Building others up. Building his kingdom up. Think about these things. Think about the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to go there because we're, we're, we're short on time already. Think about the story of the prodigal son. The son had it all figured out. He went to his dad and said, they were wealthy. And he said, dad, give me my share today. I got this figured out. I don't need to stay here and work on this farm like you and my brother are going to do. You are, you are, you are no fun. I'm going to go out and I'm going to party it up. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to have me some prostitutes. And I'm, going to, I'm going to do some, some dope and I'm going to drink and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. To put it in today's terms, that's what he did, right? Isn't that what he did? So he took his inheritance and he, and he went to the big city and, and he lived it up and he bought him a, a nice shiny car and he, he had him some, some fine looking, not very good women, maybe overly friendly. Who knows? That's what happens in our world today, right? I'm just putting it in today's terms for you. So he did all these things, and he winds up all of his friends leaving. You imagine how many friends you have when you got all that going on? You got friends that come out of the woodwork. Everybody's your friend. People you don't even remember know you, right? They're coming along, and they're, and they're just mooching off of you, and this is what was going on with this. This is what was going on with him. And so he gets over there, and, 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 and he, he goes broke. All of his money's gone. Ends up in a hog lot taking a job. Now, now, now pigs were detestable to, to the Jewish people. So he ends up in a hog lot, right? And he, and he, and he starts eating the slop that they're feeding to the pigs. Because he's broke. He's got nothing else. Thinks his father doesn't love him anymore. Because of the things that he's done. You all know the story, right? I think everybody here knows the story. Thinks his dad don't love him anymore. So he's in there eating hog slop. And we raised pigs when I was a kid. And the nastier it is, the better they like it, I think. If it sits there and brews for two or three days, that, hey, that's great. Can you imagine eating that? My two-year-old, Jesse, he, we used to throw all of our scraps together for a pot-belly pig that Caleb had, and Jesse, he tasted several items out of it. So <laughs> with that being said, he'd fall them way down. 
The prodigal son had fallen way down. He was out there eating slop with the hogs, and, and, and he was doing what he did. And, and church, this is where we're at so many times. We're not dependent on him, right? We're dependent on ourselves. We think we got it all figured out, but we need to come back and humble ourselves and say, Dad, I just want to be your humble servant. Let me back to where I used to be. Don't, don't, not even back to where I used to be. Can I just be your humble servant, right? When we're done doing it our own way, we'll come back to God and say, Lord, can I just be your humble servant? I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to be your child, right? And what happened immediately when he came back? He came back and his dad restored him. His dad restored him. He wasn't even looking for restoration because he'd humbled himself down thinking he wouldn't be restored, but at least his father's servants had, had meat in their house. At least they had clothes to wear, but his dad restored him back to where he was before. Put a ring on his finger. Amen? God wants to restore you today. If you haven't been relying on him, if you felt falling completely away from him, or maybe you've been sitting in the church the whole time, but you haven't been relying on him, you've been doing it in your own way, he'd love to restore you today. He wants to restore you today, right? Maybe you've been going along in your spiritual life for a while, and this, this happens to me sometimes. And sometimes there'll be times in your spiritual walk where you can't feel God for a while. Anybody else ever been there? You don't feel the spirit moving all over you all the time. There's times when you do, but there's times when you don't, right? Think about what feeling is. Your feelings are emotions, right? Your soul is mind, will, and emotions. You can't feel God for a while. When you're, when you're in that tough spot spiritually, pray to him. Lord, here I am today. Like he doesn't know right where you're at already anyway. But if you'll just give it to him. Lord, here I am today. I'm dependent on you. I'm going to lean on you, God. You know right where I'm at anyway. I had to pray this prayer this week, actually. Lord, I can't quit. I can't back up. I can't back down. I can't give up. Where would I give up to anyway? Would I give up and go back to what I used to be? I can't, I can't do that, God. So teach me to lean on you. Teach me to, to depend on you, Lord. Teach me, Father God. I need to be more like what you want me to be, right? In Deuteronomy 31 and 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. How are you strong and courageous? Through your faith. Through your confidence in him. You can think you're strong. You might think that you're a mighty man or a mighty woman. You're going to falter. You're going to fail. You're going to get tired. You're going to get wore out. You'll fall, right? Take heed lest he fall, right? Through your faith, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us, this was in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. We've got a better covenant than that. If he'll never leave us nor forsake us, and he's connected like this, he's the king of kings, the lord of lords, the master of the universe, created everything with his voice and his faith. Why in the world wouldn't I depend on him? That'd be foolish not to rely on him, right? When, especially when he's saying, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, rely on me. Come over here, son, I want to love you on you, I want to provide for you. He's laid all these things out in his word that we're supposed to possess. Why in the world would I not have my confidence in him? Why would my faith not be in him, right? <clears throat> I spit all over my tablet now. Every time life closes in on you, take a peek at Jesus. Think about Jesus and what he came to do and what he did, right? He'll carry you through it. 
He'll carry us through it. I remember, you remember when I was a kid or, or a few years back, remember everybody used to have one of the footprints thing on their wall. It was a picture of the sand on the seashore and it had the little footprints in it. It was one and it said, I used to think that Jesus left me, something to the effect of, I used to think that Jesus left me, but then I realized at the times when there was only one set of footprints, when I looked back through my life, it was him carrying me. Makes me think of that, right? He'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, right? We're going to take communion today. Brother Andy, would you go ahead and, and, and start serving? Mom, would you go get the kids, please? Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. Remember me.